Good morning, Unionville Alliance Church. So great that we could be with you uh, this morning and thanks for tuning in to watch us. We really appreciate you taking time uh, to gather together on this Sunday morning in this virtual fashion. We're living in a very, very unique and difficult times and uh, we are praying for you and trusting that the Lord is helping you through this time as well. Uh, we wanna continue our series on the I Am Statements of Jesus and today we are look, we're looking at a particular statement called, I am the true vine. Jesus made this statement in John chapter 15. And so we want to look at this uh, statement this morning. Uh, one thing that Jesus often did uh, when he was teaching and conversing with the people was that he contextualized his stories and his examples towards the people of the day. So very often you would see him using uh, examples of farmers, harvesting, fields, uh, fishermen, laborers. Um, this was often done so that the common people could understand what Jesus was talking about. And so uh, in this passage in John chapter 15, which we already read, Jesus uses this example of the vines and the branches and pruning and bearing fruit all to reflect a spiritual relationship that we have with Jesus and the Father. And this, in this passage in John 15, I've put together just a, a summary statement, I think, of what is really important in this passage uh, that I'd like to highlight at least this morning. Now, there's a lot of things that I probably won't get to, but I think this statement reflects uh, what I'd like to bring out in this passage. And it says, abiding in Christ and Christ in us results in fruitfulness and the greatest fruit is love, which brings great glory to God. I think it's very important to understand this aspect of abiding in Christ and Christ abiding with us and it producing fruit in our lives. The greatest of all these fruits, which we'll look at near the end of this message, is love. And all of this actually brings great glory to God. So uh, let's look at a few of these, uh, these passages and things that are described here in John chapter 15. Uh, the first thing is that John says, abide in the Lord, or actually the words of Jesus saying, abide in me. Now, Jesus is the true vine, and we are the branches, and the father is the, is the gardener. And uh, we actually, as we abide in the vine, we receive essential uh, nourishment and care from the Lord in the same way that the branches connected with the vine receive nutrients and all that it needs to grow. In a very spiritual way, we also receive that. And then we will produce fruit, just like the branch will have fruit coming out of it as it receive, uh, receives nutrients from the vine. John 15 and verse 4 here says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, especially in these times that we're living in, there's so much fear and anxiety and just an uncertainty of the future. And I really believe we need to rest and trust and remain and abide in the Lord. Uh, abiding is believing, trusting, savoring, resting, receiving all that we can from Jesus, who's the true vine. Now, uh, other translations use different verses uh, like remain in. 
But I like this word that's used in this translation, abide, because it gives this idea and sentiment of us just continuing with the Lord. Not just a a one-time experience, but a, a continuation, a lasting experience of abiding with Jesus. Now, Hudson Taylor was a great missionary. Uh, He started what was known as the China Inland Mission many years ago and uh, really took the gospel into the interior part of China. Uh, He faced so many hardships and troubles and difficulties, which we can't get into uh, right now to explain that. But I just want to read you a passage uh, written by uh, his son in the book, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And uh, here he says, Here was a man almost 60 years of age. Now he's going to go on and talk a little bit about the difficulties and trials that he was facing and how Hudson Taylor actually dealt with that. He says, here was a man almost 60 years of age, bearing tremendous burdens, yet absolutely calm and untroubled. Oh, the pile of letters, any one of which might contain news of death, of lack of funds, of riots, or serious trouble. Yet all were opened and read and answered with the same tranquility. Christ, his reason for peace, his power for calm. Dwelling in Christ, he drew upon his very being and resources. And this he did by an attitude of faith, as simple as it was continuous. Yet he was delightfully free and natural. I can find no words to describe it, save the scriptural expression, in God. He was in God all the time and God in him. It was that true abiding of John 15. It's interesting that this was the way Hudson Taylor dealt with some of the difficulties and trials that he faced by abiding in the Lord. And we can do the same today. If you're facing trials and difficulties, anxiety, fear, uh, uh, just the unknown, I want to encourage you today to abide in the Lord. Now, you might ask, well, how do I abide in the Lord? Well, let's look at a few things that this passage actually says about abiding in the Lord. One thing it says is that we should abide in his word. And I think it's really important for us to spend more and more time in the word of God in these days. And maybe if you're uh, cloistered at home and isolated, it's a really good time to dig deeper into God's word and spend time reading the word of God and meditating on God's word. In verse 7 of this chapter, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words, remember Jesus is the word of God, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Remaining, abiding, meditating, being filled with trusting, confessing, hoping in and reading God's word will really help us to stay and abide in Jesus, who is the word of God. It's so easy to believe the lies of the enemy. It's so easy to believe the lies that the devil might try to tell us that you're a failure. The Lord has forsaken you. There's no hope for you. Uh, You will never have the victory. You'll never be fruitful. Uh, God has not chosen you. There's so many different lies that the enemy can tell us to discourage us and to put us down and uh, make us bogged down with so many burdens. But if we abide in God's word, we can confess his promises. We can claim his promises. We can, we can uh, fight with the promises of God. Because as we abide in his word, his word will continue to work in us. We have to believe and know God's promises for us. That we are chosen by God. We are called by him. We're loved. He knows us by name. We have victory because of what Jesus has done on Calvary, which we're going to celebrate this week, the Easter week. We have a hope that goes even beyond this life. 
and we can be fruitful in every good work, all because of what the Word of God says. So spend time in this season just abiding in God's Word, reading, studying, meditating, and I think by doing this we will be fruitful and we'll see a change really in our character. Another thing that we see in this passage is that we should abide in His love. Part of abiding in the love of God is keeping the commandments of God. Uh, It's obeying and responding to His Word uh, and doing what He lovingly asks us to do. In verse 10, uh, it says here, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. As we keep God's commandments, we'll abide in His love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So Jesus is setting the example for us here. He says, I've, uh, I've kept my Father's commandments and I abide in my Father's love. Now you keep my commandments and abide in my love. You know, when we, we think about the Easter week that we're coming upon, we remember the agony and the, the, the stress that Jesus faced in going to Calvary and how he cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, he prayed, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, Lord, let me... Can you not let me go through this? But then he said, but not what I want, Lord, not my will, but Lord, let your will be done. And we can see here that Jesus was obedient to his father's commandments. And it was part of what made him fruitful because as he, as he obeyed his father's commandments, he was abiding in his love and being fruitful to fulfill the will of God. It might seem strange today, you know, when we talk about commandments and rules and we think, oh, you know, that's so, so much laws and restrictions. We're all about grace. But John tells us that his commandments are not burdensome. In 1 John, we read, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commandments. And his commandments are not, are not burdensome. Like a father who tells his uh, toddler, don't touch the fire on the stove because it'll burn you. It's a commandment, but it's not to restrict him. It's to protect him. It's to care for him. It's to nurture him. It's set out of love for the good of the child. And in many ways, the commandments that God gives us is for our good. It's like those nutrients flowing through the, through the, uh, the vine and into the branches. It's to care for us. It's to protect us. It's to watch over us. It's the Father's expression. It's Jesus' expression of love and care for us. Another thing in this, in this passage, he says, is to abide in his joy. Now, joy is not something that you see a lot in these days. Uh, you just need to look at the news and the headlines, and it's one piece of bad news after another. But I think the joy that God is talking about here is joy that is independent of our situations and circumstances, but it's deeply rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 11 tells us, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. He wants us to fill, fill us with his joy, that we would abide in that joy. And that joy, and that your joy may be full, to be full and complete with joy. See, these are, these are things that Jesus is saying about abiding in him. You know, it's one thing to be joyful uh, about a new house or, or a new car uh, a, a raise at work, or maybe you help somebody in need. But it's another thing to be joyful in the darkest hour, in a time of trial, in an uncertain future, like what we're living in today. I'm not saying you're going to be jumping up and down and dancing, but joy in Jesus, in in fearful and uncertain times, is possible when we abide in Him. It's not dependent on our situations and and our circumstances. 
but it's dependent on our relationship with Jesus, that he loves us and we love him. Uh, I, w- I heard a, a story recently about a, uh, I read the story recently about, a, about an imam who actually came to Christ a few years ago, a true story, and he was actually living out his faith secretly because of the situation that he was in and in order to preserve his life. And he met with a Christian uh, and the meeting was supposed to be for one to two hours, but it actually lasted for seven hours. And let me just read you what, what he said. He said, The most amazing days of my life have been the days when I was able to attend a large meeting of believers and sing praises together with them. This has only happened four or five times in my life, and I long for every opportunity I get to hold God's word in my hand. Can you imagine that? He hasn't really had the privilege that many of us have had to come into a meeting, a gathering of a number of people and worship the Lord. Now we're living in a time when we can't gather together. And so I hope we appreciate and and value the times that we were able to gather together and look forward to the times when we will be able to gather again. Because many of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have that same opportunity. And at least through means of technology, we can connect this way. He went on to say, Um, The actual book is so different than reading it on my phone, talking about the Bible. It's so precious to be able to open the book and realize that every single word is a message to me directly from God. And then he said, please send a message back to your churches. Not to be selfish with the message you have. You possess the words of life and the world desperately needs to hear it. Can you see how he valued the word of God, how he desired for fellowship and desired for more of God's word and delighted in God's word? He was abiding in Jesus and wanting more and more. May that challenge us today. Uh, The second thing I'd like to point out is that abiding produces fruit. And we see that in many uh, parts of of this, um, this passage. And fruit is really important uh, to Jesus. Fruit is really important to the Lord, that he wants to see good fruit uh, produced in our lives. And let's look at a few of these different kinds of fruit very quickly. Firstly, there's the fruit of repentance that the Word of God talks about. Now, repentance is acknowledging the wrong that we have done and turning away from it. The fruit of repentance is proof that we've actually turned away from that wrongdoing, right? Uh, It's one thing to be sore over something, but it's another thing to actually take an action that produces fruit and reveals and shows that, hey, we're serious about changing our life. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And we need this type of change in our our lives. Uh, Another type of fruit, which we've studied about recently as we did a series on the fruit of the Spirit, is the the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, In Galatians chapter 2 and verses 22 and 23, we read these beautiful fruits that can be produced in our lives. Uh, The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can see here these beautiful characteristics. And I, I believe that as we remain as branches abiding in the vine and allowing the nutrients and the flow of the Holy Spirit to come into us, that these beautiful fruits of the Spirit will be produced in our life. I'm not going to spend much time on this because we, we did a whole series on that, which you can go back and watch. The Word of God also talks about the fruit of righteous character, right? If we've received Christ and he's working in our life and he's working to produce this righteous character in us. Now, if we haven't received Christ, if you're watching today and and you haven't committed your life to Christ, I want to just encourage you today 
that Jesus invites you into a relationship with him where you can be that branch abiding in the vine and receiving nourishment, receiving care, and receiving really a transformation in your life to be like Jesus. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. What is that? The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're thinking, Man, I'm so far away from this. I don't know what it means to actually have a righteous character, a good character, a good ethic, good morality, to to follow after Jesus. I don't know what all of that actually means. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus today because He loves you and He cares for you. And He's that true, true vine that wants to be attached to you so that He can have a deep and personal relationship with you. And God wants that relationship to really change us. Why? Because for this will bring much glory and praise to God. See, ultimately, it's about God's glory. Ultimately, it's about Jesus being magnified and lifted up and us honoring him as our Lord and Savior. Another type of fruit we see in the word of God is the the fruit of good works. We're not saved because of our good works. I want to make that really clear. It's not that we do a whole bunch of good things and Jesus says, okay, come into heaven. No, But we are saved, we're redeemed, we're taken out of our old life and brought into a new life so that we can do good works to glorify God, right? This pandemic that we're living in actually provides us an awesome opportunity to do good works towards others, to share the love of God with others, whether it's through a phone call or an email, a video call, maybe buying groceries to help someone in need. There's so many opportunities that the Lord can give to us. Colossians 1 tells us, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Let's be those kinds of people that are bearing fruit in every good work. Another thing here, uh, lastly, that the Lord says is the fruit of souls being brought into the kingdom of God. Uh, there's, if there's one thing that's coming out of this pandemic, it's the number of people that are actually tuning into online services, tuning in and listening to the Word of God. There's so many people filled with anxiety and uncertainty. And, and if you're watching today and, and you're here thinking about that, thank you for tuning in. And uh, I just want to tell you that there's hope in Jesus. And there's so many opportunities through this online platform to reach people. One very large church in the United States, and they've been doing online ministry for some time, and they actually give their platform free for other churches to use. And the first Sunday that many churches actually went online was March 15th, and they had 4.7 million people watching services. And out of that, 15,842 people committed their life to Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? The Bible talks about the fruit of souls, the fruit of of people coming into the kingdom of God, because ultimately that's what our goal is. We realize that this life is very temporal, that there's a finality to this life. And we're we're people that also look beyond this life. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave. We have a hope that goes beyond this life to be with Jesus and enjoy all of eternity with him. And we want to share that with others. John 4 35 and 36 says, But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. 
And let me encourage you, if you're part of our church family, I, I want to encourage you to invite somebody to watch the Easter service next, next week, our Good Friday service next week. Um, I want to encourage you to just be calling maybe your friends and family and neighbors and giving them a word of encouragement and sharing the gospel. And if you're here today and you've, this is your first time uh, tuning in or, or you're very new to Jesus, uh, and understanding what he actually gives to us, we would love to connect with you more, and we would love to be able to have a conversation with you more about what, who Jesus is and what he offers to us. We have such a hope uh, in our lives that even though so much turmoil is going around us, we can rest and trust in Jesus. And if you've never decided to follow Jesus before and you're thinking, I should try this out, we would love to be able to connect with you. So send us an email, give us a call, um, and uh, we would uh, we would be more than happy to to talk with you. Um, I, I'd actually like to hear a little bit from you as well too. Um, if you can go to this website uachome.org/engage, I would love to be able to hear your feedback as well. And you can answer these two questions there: What fruit do you see in your life as a result of abiding in the Lord? Maybe you see some things that God is already doing in you. Maybe you see it's about patience with your co-workers or patience with your boss or whatever it might be. Uh, what fruit would you like to see developed in your life? Um, maybe there's something that you see that's lacking and you want to see that. If you can just go there right now, if you're, as you're watching online, if you're watching on a computer, just open up a new tab and just go to uachome.org engage. It's completely anonymous. And just type in your answers to, to these uh, couple of questions. And uh, later on today at 6 p.m., I want you to come back here on Facebook Live and I'm going to actually uh, talk about some of these responses and just review some of these responses and share these responses with you. Uh, and just so that we could be able to continue this discussion about bearing fruit for the Lord. And uh, I think it'll be a wonderful opportunity to be able to connect. So I'll just give you a moment uh, before I continue and uh, just go to that website and input some of your answers. Thanks for participating and engaging in the service today. Thanks for uh, inputting some of your answers there. And remember to check back tonight at 6 p.m. and we're going to go over some of those things. Now, just continuing on, just two more, two more things that I'd really like to address is that in this passage, we see that the Father prunes us to produce more fruit, which brings him great glory. Now, that word doesn't sound very appealing, pruning, right? It's not a, a very nice word there, uh, not, not a very pleasant experience. But actually, we need to understand that this is for are good. In John 15, we read here, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Uh, this aspect of cutting off branches that bears no fruit, we'll probably leave for another time to dig into because that's a whole nother explanation and a whole nother uh, a topic. But here it talks about pruning in order to bear more fruit. See, the Lord disciplines us. The Lord corrects us. The Lord rebukes us. The Lord puts us in the right way when we're going the wrong way. And this is a necessary component to the Christian life. If we're not receiving correction, maybe we need to be asking the Lord, Lord, please show me what I'm doing wrong or be able to open up our lives for people around us to be able to speak into our lives as well. See, Hebrews 12 
says the Lord disciplines those he loves. Remember, we're, we're talking about this aspect of love here in John 15. And he punishes each one he accepts as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. See, if we're really God's children, he's going to correct us. He's, he's going to prune us. He's going to cut us. And, and the gardener prunes and he cuts off so that, it could, so that the branch could bear even more fruit. Because fruit in our lives is actually bringing glory to God. It's sometimes hard to receive, but this is an aspect of abiding in the Lord. An aspect that's really important that he corrects us. That's why he's known as the Father. It says here, the Father cuts, the Father prunes right? He's our heavenly father and he's going to be cutting and pruning. Why? Because we are his own children. The result is beautiful, right? Hebrews 12 and verse 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. We don't like discipline. We don't like that correction, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, there's a fruit that's produced even in that correction. As the gardener cuts and prunes, it brings forth more fruit. As God corrects and rebukes and disciplines us, it brings forth more fruit, this fruit of righteousness. Ultimately, it's for the glory of God. Ultimately, this discipline is something that is good. Because in in John 15 verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So if pruning causes us to bear even more fruit, then that's a great thing. If pruning causes us to bring forth more fruit to the Lord, it's ultimately for the Father's glory, right? The Father prunes... An interesting thing here that we should note as well, because pruning is actually something that's good. It's for our, our, our benefit. But if you look at this metaphor of vine and branches, you can see the Father, He's pruning externally, while Christ as the vine is sending nutrients to us internally. Now you can look at those nutrients coming internally and you're thinking, oh, that's nourishment, that's something good. But actually the pruning externally is also nourishment, it's also something good. Whether it's Christ internally being that vine and giving us nutrients and helping us to grow as the branch, or whether it's the Father pruning on the outside externally and chastening and rebuking us, all of it is for our good. All of it is for God's glory. So don't forget this. And lastly, and I, and I just want to close with this last point, which I think is, which I really think is the most important, is that the greatest fruit is love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a chapter about love. And in the last verse, it concludes and it says, And now abides, remains, rests, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest fruit that we can display towards God and towards others is love. That's why after Jesus speaks about the vine and about the branches and about abiding him and all of these things, he, he, and about the commandments, he comes to this climax. He comes to this most important thing which he's trying to teach her in John 15. It says here, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In the list of the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit that's listed there is love. 
we're living in such desperate, uncertain, and, and fearful times. And I think it's a time for the church to rise up and shine. As we continue to abide in Jesus, we can be reflections of God's love. To display Christian love one to another, as Jesus mentioned in these verses, can only be displayed by abiding in the Lord and through His supernatural help. To display the display of Christian love is something supernatural. It's something extraordinary. It's not something that everyone can do. It's sometimes called in the Word of God, it's called agape love, selfless love, sacrificing love, self-sacrificing love. It's actually what was displayed on Calvary by Jesus. You know, this week we're celebrating Holy Week or Easter week. We're celebrating and remembering all that Jesus did for us in his death and resurrection. It's the, it's the high time of the year in the, in the church calendar. It's the, it's the high season for us as we remember Jesus' great love and sacrifice for us. But here Jesus said, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what Jesus did. We can't do it alone. Jesus left an example for us, and it was a pretty high example. Jesus left a standard of love, and it's a pretty high standard. The standard is to lay down one's life for one's friends. We can't do it alone, and that's why this I am statement is so important. We need to be abiding in Jesus, because as we're abiding in Jesus, then we're receiving those nutrients where our character is being changed, our life is being transformed, and we can have that same kind of love that Jesus showed for us. In verse 4 of chapter 15, it says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, we can't do it on our own. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus, this is impossible. I'm giving you an impossible task to lay down your life for others. I'm giving you an impossible task to love others self-sacrificially, to love others selflessly. I'm giving you an impossible task. And so the only way to make the impossible possible is by abiding in Jesus. The next verse says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But here's the important thing I want to emphasize here now. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. If love is the mark of a true Christian and what Jesus expects from us, then the fruit of love is born through us abiding and remaining in the Lord, from us abiding and remaining in Jesus. We've received from Jesus, what we've received from Jesus is a, is a reflection of what Jesus has received from the Father. Because Jesus received love from the Father and He abides in that love. And then He tells us to abide in Him and receive that love as well. In this season of coronavirus, God is asking us to respond in love. How can we show that love towards God and love towards others as well? I was reading some stories online of what people are doing and, and some, are, some of them are so encouraging and inspiring. Uh, I saw a video of doctors and nurses uh, singing uh, in their hospital the song Waymaker, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, My God, That is Who You Are. And, and they were singing that outside uh, of the hospital and hearing other stories of people driving to a hospital parking lot, staying in the car and just praying for the hospital uh, workers. 
uh, seeing tons of prayer meetings that are coming up via Zoom and people uniting together in prayer to intercede and pray, people checking up on each other and buying groceries for each other, people checking up on their neighbors and making sure that, that they're okay. You know, I think after all this whole season is done, we're going to hear some pretty remarkable stories of some pretty remarkable Christians doing amazing and wonderful and supernatural things, not because of anything that's inside of them, but because they've been abiding in Jesus and that love is going to be reflected on the outside. And I think when this is all over, we'll hear some amazing stories. As as we hear amazing stories after wars and after big conflicts, and you hear these stories of Christians just exemplifying Christ-like love. Can I ask you to, to go to uachome.org slash engage one more time and uh, just open up a new tab if you're on the computer or if you're in front of the computer, just use your phone and go to this uh, uachome.org slash engage. And I want to ask you this other question. What is the one way you can show the love of Christ to others during this pandemic? What is the thing that God is challenging you or asking from you that during this pandemic you could actually do? And if you can, it's all anonymous. If you want to put your name, you can, but it's all anonymous. And just put some things that you feel God is challenging you to do, whether it's to give somebody a call, whether it's to buy somebody some groceries, whatever it might be. And uh, again, tonight at 6 p.m., I'm going to go over some of these things and we'll dig into this a little bit more and just talk about what it is to actually show Christ-like love in, in this season. Um, I want to just end off uh, this time with a, a story of, of a man who actually really profoundly exemplified this Christ-like love, this self-sacrificial love. His name was Maximilian Kolbe. Uh, he was a, a, a Polish priest who was taken uh, as a prisoner of war in World War II. And he was, num- he was prison, uh, prisoner number 16770 in the Auschwitz concentration camp. When one of the prisoners in that camp had tried to escape, the Nazis, as a punishment, picked 10 people who they would move to their starvation room so that they would starve to death. And one of those 10 people, his name was uh, Franciszek Gajonicek. And he cried out when he was selected as one of the 10. He said, my wife, my children, I'm never going to see them again. At this point, this priest, um, Colby, Maximilian Colby stepped up and he said, he said, can I take that man's place? Can I go into the starvation room instead of that man? Miraculously, the Nazis agreed and they took Colby instead of that man. Colby knew what he was getting into. It was certain death. It was terrible starvation. It was terribly painful. But when he was there in that room, those 10 people together, Colby encouraged the other prisoners as they were starving and they would pray and they would sing hymns and he would share the word of God. The others ended up dying and only Colby was left remaining. They needed that cell for, for other prisoners later on and so they decided to inject him with carbolic acid. And at the age of 47, on August 14, 1941, Maximilian Colby, he gave his life and died. Such an inspirational story of a man that decided to put his life in the place of another. Colby's testimony, example, and sacrifice stunned and shocked the prisoners 
who were living in such brutal conditions. You might ask, what happened to that other man, Francis Franciscic Guy Venichek? Well, he ended up being liberated from uh, by the Allies after spending five years in concentration camps. He was reunited with his wife, but sadly his children had died in the war. He lived another 53 years after Colby had made that sacrifice, and he died at the age of 93 on March 13, 1995. In 1972, he said, I want to give thanks for the gift of life. And years later, he said, as long as he lives and as long as he has breath in his lungs, he would consider his duty to tell people about the heroic act of love by Maximilian Kolbe. Can you imagine that? That man with such gratitude made it his life's mission to tell everyone what this man, this priest, Kolbe, had done for him in taking his place dying in his place so that he could live. Let me tell you, that's what Jesus did for us. And that's what we're going to celebrate this week. The fact that Jesus went to the cross and died for you and for me. The fact that Jesus died on Calvary and took the place that we should have been in. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We should be the one to pay that penalty, but instead Jesus died on our behalf so that he could give us eternal life. That's the message of Calvary. That's the message of the gospel, that God loved us so much that he sent his only son into this world to die on the cross for us and to give us hope, to give us an opportunity to have eternal life with him, that our sins can be forgiven, that our sins can be cleansed. And I think this man, Maximilian Kobe, exemplifies that. And the question is, how could a man do this when there was so much darkness, so much cruelty, so much injustice, so much death, so much horror in that concentration camp? How could such a light shine in the midst of such savage and inhuman behavior? I think it was his abiding life in Christ that helped him produce the greatest fruit, that of love. I think it was his abiding life in Jesus that helped him to do something that was supernatural, that was unbelievable and unthinkable, to put his life down on the line instead of that other man. Agape love is self-sacrificing, supernatural, Christ-inspired love. And this is what we're going to learn about in this Easter season. This is what we're going to see. This is the Easter story. Jesus' great love for us. Remember, we can't do it on our own. Remember, we need to depend on the Lord. Here's a picture of Francisca Gavanichek when he was a prisoner and then later on in life. God offers the opportunity for us to have eternal life with him and live with him forever and ever. Can you take advantage of that opportunity? Can you take advantage of what Jesus gives to us fully and freely? Remember, it's not what we can do, but it's all about what Jesus can do. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Yet not I, but Christ in me.